Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the State of Recruiting, your weekly recruiting podcast at Orange 24-7. I'm Mike Roach. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. Uh, and today we've got a big show prepared for you guys. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to remind you guys that you can like and subscribe to any of our content on iTunes or anywhere you get a podcast. Uh, that's Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, please leave us a five-star review. That's really helpful for us. Um, and then uh, with that five-star review, any question you ask will get answered on the show. Um, I'd also like to point you to the rest of the shows on our network. Uh, we've got the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff uh, Howe and Rod Babers. Um, so with all that out of the way, Nick, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Can't complain. Football's back in full swing. Uh, there's a lot of games canceled this week on the high school front, but uh, it seems like they're pushing through and you know things are, things are figuring themselves out. Yeah, you know, um, I think uh, it's funny, I guess, that um, this is kind of going to be the way it is. I think week after week, we just kind of got to get used to it and uh, and know that that's kind of how it's going to be. Um, elsewhere, I think uh, big news is your uh, my last time since last time we talked, the stars have been knocked out of the Stanley Cup after a valiant run, and uh, the Heat are in the NBA Finals. Yeah, uh, we could talk about the stars. We don't have to talk about the Heat, though. <laughs> the the no, Heat, they got they got no, brutalized no, last night. But uh, I'm just hoping we get one game in. That's that's I, Lakers in five would be a, a victory for a moral victory for me. Uh, that's because I just don't expect to win this series. It's just so sad to hear you and your 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 peers talk about basketball anymore. <laughs> yeah, what's your I beef mean, with it? Well, it's just like, you know, it's like the, well, just happy to be here kind of thing. No, man, you're in the final. Look, look, <laughs> like, look, the Stars, I was kind of that way with the Stars. Like, I knew Tampa was a much better team. Um, but, like, you're here, you might as well win the damn thing, right? And um, I don't know. To me, like, uh, the, oh, well, if Jimmy Butler doesn't win, at least LeBron will get another one. I like, you know, that's not... That's not how it goes, man. When the Mavericks went to the finals back in 2010 or 2011, I can't remember which year, 2011, um, like I hated the Heat. I wanted to see everything bad happen to them. And <laughs> yeah, but you're a LeBron hater. It's a little different. <laughs> but no, but I was a but I was a huge Dwayne Wade fan. Okay. And and I was a huge Chris Bosh fan. But I hated the Heat. I hated the Heat for the first time they beat the Mavs in the finals and cheated. <laughs> and I hated the Heat for everything they were as a super team, and I hated them because they were the Mavs' opponent. And I wanted, and even though the Mavs were not nearly as talented as the Heat on a, on an individual basis, I didn't think, oh, I just hope we get one out of this. Man, you got to go in there with the killer instinct. You got Jimmy Butler and that white kid who drops a bunch of buckets. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, Tyler Hero. He's a baller. He's 15 days younger than me, which is actually kind of shocking. We found someone See, younger now, in the league. 
now you're getting to that age. LeBron is like three months younger than me. And that's always a trip because like you look at him and I think, you know, that's that's a full grown man, family and everything. (laughs) And I still kind of think of myself as a kid from time to time, you know, so that's what's funny about it. Um, All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right in. Texas did get back on the board last week with a commitment um, and uh, it was an offensive line commitment. So uh, I know everybody's been asking for one of those Uh, from Max Merrill of straight Jesuit in Houston. Um, And Nick, I'll tell you, out of the guys that Texas has kind of targeted, um, as I would say, secondary options uh, since losing out on the majority of the in-state options, I really actually kind of like Max Merrill. Um, I I think he's he's one of the better options there at the position. Um, If you look at the guys that they offered right before him, um, Ryan Lingell and and Jack Lehrer, I actually think that Merrill's probably got the best upside of those three. Yeah, he's got a huge frame, and he plays for a you know a pretty stout program down there in the Houston area for Straight Jesuit. They've uh, they've been able to produce some uh, pretty big dudes in the in the last ten to fifteen years. But um, yeah, I like the Max Merrill pick, and I I, uh, I like that he's a part of the class now as well. Um, I think he's a guy that can you know show up on campus and uh, really develop in that first year, and you know uh, get in that weight program and you know learn the system, and then in the next couple of years really thrive and you know try to. Uh, absorb everything kind of like how Samuel Cosme has done I know it's kind of something we keep pushing whenever it comes to talking about underrated offensive line recruits is Sam Cosme but uh, he, he's the perfect example he was a kid that was a, a very low tier three-star coming out of Atascacita I think he was in the thousands as far as player rankings and now if you look at mock drafts he's he's almost in every top 10 so uh yeah I think that um I, I think that uh Max Merrill is going to have a, a very good situation in Austin and I think we should mention that, yeah, Cosme and, and to an extent Derek Kerstetter have been examples of like underrated linemen that – Connor Williams, I think you could even throw in there and say Texas has done a lot with those guys. But those are very much the exception, not the rule. doesn't mean it can't happen for Max Merrill. He, like I said, I think he is a guy that has all the tools, but it's not the best strategy to have to continue to rely on finding these – hidden gems i mean the the best strategy is to recruit the best talent um it kind of makes me wonder where things stand numbers wise on the offensive line i haven't got complete clarity on that because they do still have an offer after jacoby jackson and i start to get the feeling that jackson's liking texas more and more i actually talked to a a coach who who was uh preparing a high school coach who was preparing film um against mansfield summit and called me out of the blue just to tell me he thought that jackson could be a very very special player um at the next level so um you know maybe there's something there i'll have to get some more clarity on where numbers stand from that side yeah i really like jacoby jackson what i saw from him a couple weeks ago when i saw him in a mansfield summit scrimmage against colleen he's he's really big and really strong and he's lost a lot of that unnecessary weight that i think uh i think we all thought he had last year um again he's been training with our guys at collins here in the dallas area over the off season and he's really improved he's got really good footwork he's really strong in the trenches and he's just a brute force up front so i'm excited to see what he can do against some quality 6a competition uh against colleen it wasn't the best competition uh at least on the defensive line that he was he was facing um but i'm I'm excited to see what he could do against some pretty good six eight teams in that area. Yep. So um, big, big to do for them uh, as we record this. It's uh, actually Thursday afternoon. Andrew Makuba will make his decision uh, later tonight. Uh, but by the time you hear this tomorrow, you, he'll have already made the decision. Um, we will uh, break that down after it, of course. But uh, right now, it looks like everybody on the crystal ball, except for Nick, is leaning towards Clemson. 
Um, so Nick either has the chance to, uh, he's got a chance here to, to come out looking really right um, by sticking to his guns. Yeah, you know, I, I it's kind of just like a gut thing. Um, I'm expecting it to be Clemson just like you guys are, but, and I hope I'm not looking like a homer here. I kind of realized that last night. I was like, oh, this kind of looks like a homer pick, but I just really think he's got great relationships with the uh, current commits, you know, whether that be Ishmael Ibrahim or J.D. Coffey or Charles Wright. He's also got some friends on the team, Dejon Harrison and Jade Barone. Um, and he's also visited Austin many times. He's never been out to Clemson. So those are just some things that weigh heavy on my mind whenever I thought about what to do there. Um, but, hey, I'm 48 for 48 on crystal balls this year. So this this might be this might be my one miss that I get. I, I'm fully expecting it. But, I, I you know, I have, a, I have a pretty good gut feeling here. All right. Um, Nick, before we get into the high school segment, um, well, we'll start the high school segment. Let's talk about um, where were you at last Thursday night and uh, what did you see? Last Thursday, I was at a South Lake Carroll and DeSoto. They were uh, scrimmaging over at Carroll. Um, they had about five offensive possessions each in uh, the non-live portion of the scrimmage, and then they played a live half. And um, Quinn Ewers looked really good uh, in the non-live portion. He tossed about uh, two or three touchdowns, ran for one more on a read option, and uh, I, I threw it in the group chat, and I think someone responded. It was like, wow, they got Quinn running a read option in a scrimmage. It's like, yeah, they're, they, they were really aggressive with Quinn all night. It was uh, kind of shocking. Uh, and then in the live portion, DeSoto just kind of took over, and their offense just couldn't stop. I think South Lake Carroll's uh, defense is really going to be um, – their burden this year. Quinn's going to have to score a lot of points to win some games, I think. And uh, he actually plays my uh, my alma mater on Friday night, Rockwall Heath, so he's definitely going to have to score a lot of points on Friday. Um, but he looked really good. Shamar Turner looked really good. He's in a new number this year, playing number five. Um, he looked really good, really strong. Um, and uh, other than those two guys, uh, Lathan Adams was out with a, with a foot injury, and then Byron Murphy wasn't playing as well. Uh, so those were the big two names there. Did uh, Jonte Cook, the young DeSoto receiver, look? Oh, yeah, Jonte looked great. He had a couple of touchdowns, actually, out of the slot, one in the non-live portion of the scrimmage and uh, one in the live portion. Uh, he's just really fast. I mean, he's faster than anybody on Carroll secondary, at least, and I think there's going to be a lot of 6A secondaries that are going to have troubles containing him this year. All right. Um, Thursday night, I was at the Battle of the Axe in Denison, which didn't have the full – um, a full power to it due to a limited crowd, but was still a pretty cool environment. Uh, still a lot of fun. Went and saw our guy Sean Cooper at C4 um, early that day. He took me to lunch in, in Durant, Oklahoma, just over the border, and then we went to the game together and um, saw uh, what was a, a, you know, it looked like Sherman came out on fire in the first half uh, against Denison um, and, and was punching Denison in the mouth all up and down the field. And then, you know, Denison really turned it on in the second half. I, I, I grabbed Coach Chad Rogers after the game and said, I don't know what the hell you said to him at halftime, but it worked. And, um, you know, his his comment was I just told him to stop doing dumb stuff. You know, it was a rivalry game. Um, it was a lot of, like, 15-yard penalties for pushing and shoving after the play and, and things like that that were hurting him. Uh, Jadarian Price, the, the Denison running back who I went to see, was, was phenomenal. Uh, looks healthy again. A lot of burst um, off that bad ankle he had last year um, and, and ran for nearly 200 yards and a couple touchdowns. So, um, I'm, I'm really happy to see him back healthy and, and looking good. Um, Nick, you had a big game on Friday. Uh, who did you see uh, Friday night? Uh, went down to uh, Harris County and saw uh, Galena Park North Shore and Shadow Creek at Galena Park ISD Stadium. Um, it was pretty solid in the first half. Uh, both teams were pretty sloppy in the first half. 
Uh, there was a lot of turnovers on both sides and uh, just a lot of swings of momentum. Uh, that was just a game of big swings of momentum, honestly. Uh, and then in the third quarter, North Shore kind of opened it up on a 95-yard pick six uh, by Denver Harris. And then on the very next possession, Shadow Creek drove down to the two-yard line and fumbled a snap. So uh, that's a good 14-21 point swing that they uh, uh, they were on the bad side of, and they ended up losing 38-21. to um, North Shore looked really great from an offensive standpoint. Um, Shadrick Banks was back. He had a couple of receptions for them, but Charles King was mainly their big receiver uh, on Friday. He was linking up with Demetrius Davis quite a bit, and uh, Demetrius looked pretty good himself. He had a he had a rushing touchdown that went viral um, where he had uh, two linebackers run into each other, one of them not being Terrence Cooks. Um, but uh, Terrence Cooks also looked pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. He had double-digit tackles. He had a strip sack in the first quarter. Um, he was playing with a broken pinky, so he had like a club on his right arm. Uh, so he was just looking mean and nasty out there, and he was definitely playing like it too. He was frustrated after the game, of course. Uh, he felt like there was a lot of things on defense they could have done better. And they only had 14 points on offense. Seven of them came on a kickoff return uh, to get to the 21. So um, definitely a lot of things to fix on offense as well. But I think Shadow Creek's really just got to uh, fix up their sloppy play, and I think they'll be all right. But from a recruit standpoint, Demetrius Davis looked fantastic, just as he has the past couple of years. Uh, Terrence Cooks was arguably the best player on the field. It was either him or Davis. Davis, uh, one of the two. And Denver Harris had a great game as well. He got beat a couple of times matching up with uh, CJ uh, Guidry. Um, but uh, he was he was able to rebound, get a couple of interceptions, and, you know, play some big-time ball. Uh, there was also a 2023 corner for uh, North Shore that I found that I really liked. Uh, his name is Jacoby Davis. He was matched up on a Randy Bobo Masters, a 2022 commit for Baylor. And uh, I don't think Bobo had a reception the entire game. Uh, he was playing really good lockdown D on him. And uh, I liked what I saw from him. Um, so you are here to report that North Shore is, in fact, still good. Very good. Very much so. Well, um, I am here to report that Denton Ryan is also still very good. I uh, saw them Friday at the stadium at AT&T. Um, and, you know, I don't ever think about this because I just think big schools in DFW, sometimes I'll lose track of who's 5A, who's 6A. And for some reason, I always think of Ryan as 6A because they always have such so much talent. But when you talk about a 5A team playing a 6A ranked team and the beating that Ryan put on Martin, that's uh, it's impressive. I, I mean, Martin was never in that game uh, from the very beginning. And when, when Ryan put the hammer down, they did whatever they wanted. That was the effort led by Jatavian Sanders, who had, I think, like seven catches for 160-so-odd yards and two touchdowns. And then he had a incredible pick six when they tried to throw a screen his way. He just kind of one-handed it and ran down the field. Um, really showed what kind of two-way star he is on the field. And uh, Billy Bowman had a, a good game, quiet, kind of quiet, um, had a touchdown catch and then wasn't really thrown at defensively. Um, and then, you know, when you look at guys like the the underclassmen for Ryan, Austin Jordan and um, uh, Anthony Hill, those guys, Anthony Hill didn't get to play a lot. I think he was dealing with like a stomach virus or something. Um, and then and Austin Jordan really didn't see much action his way. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I did think um, Maurice Blackwell was really impressive. I, the guy, he was him, and um, there was a young corner whose name I don't have in front of me for for Martin, another 2023, uh, that really popped out um, in that game. 
the young corners, uh, he had to, uh, his first varsity assignment was covering Jatavian Sanders. So, uh, welcome, to varsity, <laughs> welcome to varsity football. And look, I mean, he got bullied a couple times. He got shoved down by Sanders on one of the touchdowns and then and ran over. But that kid battled and he hung in there. He had a, a couple good kickoff returns as well. So, a uh, really good player. Um, I, I think that for me, though, Blackwell was the guy for Martin, always around the ball. Um, I think the official tally was 10. It felt like he had 20 tackles. I mean, he was in on absolutely everything. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And then in the second game, I stuck around at AT&T because the great Phil um, agreed to put the Stars game on in the press box if I'd stick around. Um, and so I, I uh, watched Longview and Temple. And, um, man, I don't know what I was expecting out of that game. Temple looks good. And they've got a couple of young guys as well. So, um, all in all, a good week of football. Nick, uh, you and I are going to the same game actually tonight. Um, uh, we'll both be at, at Globe Life Field to see um, Arlington, Bowie, and Mansfield. Uh, what's your Friday night slate looking like? Uh, Friday night, I'm heading out to Justin to see uh, Justin Northwest and McKinney North. Uh, looking forward to see J- seeing JJ Henry and you know getting an update on his recruitment. Uh, I think the last time I talked to him was uh, mid July, probably and. Um, or maybe early July, and he was just talking about how he's you know really slowing things down, or not slowing things down, but taking his time with the with the recruitment process. So uh, we'll we'll get an update there, and you know see how much he's uh, been able to go through that recruitment process and and what he's looking at right now. But I'm also just excited to see him in a game format. I'll be able to see him a couple of times this year. I plan on seeing him on a Thursday night here in about two or three weeks as well. So uh, uh, excited to see what he can do out of the slot. All right, and then Friday night, I will. I'm pretty sure. I'm like, I better be sure because I don't have anything else lined up. Um, uh, little difficulties with DISD at the moment of getting onto a sideline, but I'm, I'm working out something. I think, and I will be at South Oak Cliff and Duncanville uh, at Sprague Stadium to see. Um, you know, Duncanville obviously has the talent. South Oak Cliff is coming up with a really, really talented underclassman group. I don't think South Oak Cliff. Um, I don't think South Oak Cliff really hangs in this game, but I am interested to see how the young talent looks against a, a test like Duncanville. Um, all right, Nick, last week you introduced our Pick'em competition. Uh, first of all, before we get into this, do you have the numbers on how we finished last week? Yeah, we both went 5-1. and one. We only had two games where we were able to get some separation. You picked Shadow Creek over North Shore. You lost that one. And then I picked uh, Preston Wood over Prosper, and I lost that one by ten. So if we're doing like a point spread, you know, or, or like a you know points uh, tiebreaker, then I'm winning. You know, t- ten to seventeen. I mean, it's early. I don't. I think we'll talk about <laughs> tiebreakers down the line. We'll figure out tiebreakers <laughs> when the season ends. I don't think you do them in week one. Let me tell you something, Shadow Creek. I picked against you all last year, and you shoved it up my backside. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep that nice for for this podcast i finally pick you and it gets shoved up my backside so shadow creek i'm on to you um that's i'm just that's just a joke i've got actually some friends on that shadow creek staff and um really like that program um all right nick uh what, what are the games for this week all right we're gonna sm- start with our uh small school game of the week this week and uh, we're keeping it carthage but uh i feel like this is gonna be a tough pick for you because they're playing your beloved pleasant grove hawks so what do you do here Josh Gibson, if you are listening to this, please take your headphones off right now. (laughs) I love Pleasant Grove. I love that program. I love those kids. But I just don't think – 
I, I think this is a little bit of a rebuilding year for them, especially based on what we saw when we went to go see them against Argyle. They've they haven't been they haven't been as overwhelmingly dominant. Now they are a team that tends to warm up as the season goes along and they round into shape. But Carthage is Carthage, man. And um, it, it, look, uh, as the gambling saying goes, you don't get rich betting against Alabama, and at the high school level, you don't get rich betting against Carthage. Um, I'm gonna roll with with the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with you there. Um, they just looked really good last week against Gilmer, a pretty good Gilmer team, and it looks like they're on. They're surely on their way to another state title. Uh, I'm taking Carthage as well. Um, our uh, first first big school game of the week, first of five, we got uh, Atascacita and Allen. I think this is a game you were trying to get into, but Allen is not allowing sideline access this year, so weren't able to get that one in. But who do you got winning that one? Yeah, I was denied by Allen ISD, sent back a... Uh... I, I'm mad at myself because I told myself I'm going to just take what I can get this year and be thankful for it, and I kind of sent back a very um, sarcastic email. <laughs> I mean, but um, Alan has been difficult with us in the past, <laughs> right? That's the thing is I I've I've got my eye on these stadiums who have always been difficult, who are now using the pandemic as an excuse to be more difficult. Um, so. I actually have no real feel for this game. I don't know what either side has. I talked to our, our, my friend uh, Marcus Gutierrez, who covers like the Humble area for the Houston Chronicle, um, and just kind of asked him, you know, what do you think about this game? And he said he thinks both teams are really young. It's a crapshoot. Um, I'm going to lean a Tascacita, but I really have no feel. I'm going to take a Tascacita in this one. Uh, you know, Allen has never, still, they have never lost a game in that big, shiny new stadium that they, they built back in, I guess it's 2012 or 2013. They've, they've yet to lose in it. Um, so Atascacita would definitely be uh, some home wreckers if they can come, come up north and take down the Eagles. Um, and Allen did not look good last week against Plano East in the first half, and that's a very subpar Plano East team. Um, so I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll with Atascacita as well. I was hoping to gain some separation on you. I thought you would. Uh, you would pick Allen here, but um, yeah, I'm gonna no, take Atascacita wow. as I well. Thought you're a former Allen High School student. Yeah, I went there and, uh, my freshman year. For the, the folks that don't know, I thought for sure with that stat you threw out too that you were going to pick Allen. I thought that this is where we would get the separation. Okay. Well, I was almost chalking that one up as a loss, but now I feel like uh, it, it washes out if we. If we both lose. Uh, all right, what's next? What's the next game? Uh, this next game, it's uh, the rights for the city of Lubbock. Lubbock Coronado and Lubbock Cooper. You got Sawyer Robertson at quarterback for Coronado. And then I love it, Cooper. They're just solid. They got Kobe McKenzie on that uh, linebacking core. So uh, who do you got in this one? I don't know much about West Texas football. Um, as I often tell my wife, I don't go west of Fort Worth. Um, <laughs> but... I know Sawyer Robertson's very good, but man, Cooper's, I don't know how much they brought back from last year's team. Um, and for those listening at home, we literally put these picks together like right before we press record, so I didn't look into any of these teams. I don't know what Cooper brings back, but last year I know that they should have beaten Alito in the playoffs. They got they got, they got, got the loss on, on what was, I can say, a very, I guess, a very controversial call. Um I, I just kind of think that their style works and that their defense is, is really nasty. I'm going to take Cooper in this one. Yeah, the winner of this game is either going to be Coronado's offense or Cooper's defense. Whoever wins that matchup wins the game. 
Um, I'm going to have to take Cooper as well. It looks like we're we're online for three for three so far and having the same picks. I'm taking Cooper as well. Uh, our next one, Alito and Lone Star. I feel like this is a sneaky good one. Alito, there's a lot of questions still about, you know, um, what they'll have this year, especially at quarterback. I know JoJo Earl actually got a significant amount of snaps at quarterback against Weatherford last week. And then a Lone Star got upset by North Forney. Uh, last week granted North Forney is actually a really scary good team uh, in the DFW area I think a lot of people slept on him going into that game but um, nevertheless Lone Star is 0-1 so uh, who do you got in this one yeah so this is a tricky pick for me because part of me looks at it and says well Lone Star is definitely not what we thought they were last week Um, but as you mentioned North Forney is a really sneaky good team and I always um Jeff Rayburn's too good of a coach. I just think coming off a loss like that, they're going to be really dialed in and focused. Um, on the other hand, uh, Alito is Alito, man. And um, it was Weatherford, but they didn't look like they missed a beat. Um, I didn't get to see much of that game. Who's playing quarterback for them? For Alito? I know the kid that I know the kid who transferred in got hurt. Did they put JoJo at quarterback? They did have JoJo playing uh, quarterback at times, you know, just running some wildcat kind of stuff and some short, short routes. Uh, there was another quarterback that got some snaps as well, though. I just went back and watched JoJo's film, and he was playing receiver uh, quite a bit as well. So they definitely have someone who's trying to throw at quarterback for Alito. The thing is, defensively, I think Alito's a better team now um, than they were last year, honestly. B.J. Allen's a year older. Um, and then Jaden Allen, his little brother, is uh, had a pick six last week as a stud. Um, and actually, people I know who, who, who work with both of them think Jaden's actually maybe the better player um, long term. So, um, you know what? This feels like a, this is a Tarrant County thing. Actually, Alito is um, not Tarrant County. Uh, it's close to Tarrant County. It's your neck of the woods. Yeah, it's my neck of the woods. It's not a long drive. I'm going to roll with the Bearcats on this one. You know, I'm going with the Rangers. I feel like Garrett Rangel is going to come back and have a big week this week. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to take the underdog. They're definitely the underdog in this game, but I'm going to take them. Uh, I think they, they pulled this one out. So um, there's the separation game for us. There's one. Uh, I think I have a feeling we're going to be – Separated on this game, didn't Ryan and didn't Geyer? Okay, so that makes me think. You know where I'm going. You do. Yeah, I'm a son of Ryan. <laughs> um, I just am. Uh, the De La Torres are great people. Um, Jatavian Sanders is a monster. Billy Bowman is a monster. Um, I don't think Bear Alexander is going to be eligible this week, but monster. Um, man, Geyer. Geyer's got some of my favorite kids, though. I mean, Deuce Harmon is in the running for one of my favorite people of all time. But I got to roll with the Raiders on this one, man, as I always tend to do. It's going to be a great game. That's a banger of a game. Um, Man, you know, I would have almost said, hey, Nick, you should go to that instead of uh, Northwest gaming, except I just saw Ryan last week and just talked to all those kids. Um, So there's really no need, but that's just a cool – that would be a fun game to watch at any any rate. Yeah, I got to roll with the Raiders on this one. Yes, yeah, City of Denton Championship, pretty much. Um, you know, something if you go back and look, especially last year, 
at what Rodney Webb was able to do for Rockwall and getting them ready for big games against big teams. Oh, um, I forgot. How did I forget Rodney Webb was the head coach? That's why you're going, guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, he always had them ready for big uh, big games against big teams. Um, they were always you know, uh, ready for the challenge, and they beat some teams that they probably shouldn't have last year. Um, and, you know, now that he has a significant amount uh, of talent at Ditton Geyer, um, getting ready for a big game against a crosstown rival, I think Rodney Webb's going to be ready for it. Uh, give me Geyer by, like, three in a shootout. I mean, hey, it's certainly certainly possible. I mean, that's, that's two really good teams right there. That's going to be a fun matchup. Um, I actually talked to somebody on the old Geyer staff that went to San Marcos that said, it's funny how Ryan didn't ever want to play Geyer until – we went to San Marcos, and now they got him <laughs> on the schedule. So um, I do love Rodney Webb. I think he's a great coach. I think he gets his guys up. I think there's um, there's very few coaches who are better than him in the state. But um, it makes me wonder, man, with with the pandemic and, and less prep time, how much you know how much he's really making an influence there early. Um, I just I got I got to go with my boys. I already I I betrayed Pleasant Grove already. And, uh, <laughs> And I feel like the, the Pleasant Grove hat on my shelf back here is staring at me now. Um, I got to roll with Ryan. I can't betray both my my core teams. Our last game of the week, uh, Shadow Creek and Bridgeland. Of course, Shadow Creek had a little tough tough loss last week. They played pretty sloppy. Uh, Bridgeland had a big win, and they played uh, Klein Kane. They were able, despite Jadon Blue running all over Bridgeland, they were still able to pull out a 56-49 win. Connor Weigman looked fantastic. So I think this is a sneaky good one. I think Bridgeland really has a shot here. Who do you got? I love Connor Weigman, and I think Dylan Goffney is going to be back this week. He didn't play, from what I understand, Correct. in the Klein Kane game. And that's their most dangerous weapon at receiver. Uh, a kid that I love. I, I've loved Dylan Goffney forever, and I, you know, Unfortunately, Texas just didn't – he didn't feel he was on their level, so I never really got to cover him. But that kid, to me, is, is a star. Um, this is sneaky by you, Nick, because I feel good about my Carthage pick and about my Ryan pick and what was the, uh, the Alito pick. But, man, as I just talked about, I end up on the wrong side of Shadow Creek no matter where I go. Um, I love Connor Weidman. Fun fact, when – Quinn Ewers was close to committing, and at the point that we didn't know who it was going to be, I wrote a preparatory, like, where does Texas go next? Um, Just in case the commitment was somebody else that I was going to prep. And the first name on that list was Connor Weichman. I think he is an absolute superstar, a really good player, and, and he really bared that out last week. I'm going back to the well. I... Part of me says Shadow Creek's not taking an 0-2. They've never lost a, a regular season game until last week. It's hard to see them taking an 0-2. <laughs> this is tough. This is tough. I want to pick Bridgeland. I'm going to pick Shadow Creek. Gotcha. I respect it. Um, yeah, Bridgeland's got a lot of a lot of weapons on offense and defense. I got a couple of D1 commits on defense as well. Um, one that was hurt last week as well, so he'll, they'll have him back. Um, but Bridgeland, they're going to be up a creek with no paddle. I'm taking the creek, boys. Okay, so no separation there. That's good. So even if I if if I end up on the wrong side of Shadow Creek, um, we're still good there. Absolutely. All right, that'll do it for our high school segment. Nick, thank you for preparing those games. We'll keep you updated on the records as of la- uh, next week. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the State of Recruiting. 
We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, uh, let's jump right into our mailbag to finish the show. As always, you can get your questions in to us on the Horns 24-7 message board uh, when we call for them, or you can leave us a five-star review um, on iTunes, and uh, we will answer any question you ask um, with a five-star review. All right, um, give me just a second because I have lost the thread. Um, One moment. I'll go ahead and answer this first one if uh, you want to pull it up. Um, yeah, go go ahead and ask it and answer. And I'm I'm looking for it. I had it, but I lost. It. <laughs> we got our first question here by Hook MSD. Uh, do you think we see a large amount of kids that aren't early enrollees hold off on signing on early signing day this year? If they allow visits after January first, then it'll be a crazy national signing day in February. Uh, personally, yeah, I think this is a good question. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of kids committed right now that I think will sign early, regardless of their, you know, early enrollees or not. Um, I, I think that's just kind of how it's been, uh, at least in the last couple of years. And I feel like that's not going to change this year, despite everything that's been going on. Um, but I, I think we could see some big names, you know, hold off on signing until February just for the chance of, you know, uh, maybe being able to take visits. And I think that'll be a, a really good telling telling card to see, you know, which kids really wanted to see some schools before deciding. So um, I, I think that's definitely going to be an interesting note m- moving forward. Absolutely. I, I, I do think that um, anybody who does an early enrollee, if visits open up in January, it's going to get wild. And I, I think a lot of people have asked like what they're going to do with the calendar. I don't know. I, I haven't heard. But um, I, I've always said I don't see any reason to get rid of early signing day. But I do see a reason to push maybe the February signing period, especially if visits are allowed. So, yeah, I think um, I think it's definitely going to be a, a three-ring circus there. Okay, I do have the the – uh, thread pulled up now uh, from Red Wings EKO28. Um, are the two five star receivers out of St. Louis for the 2022 class priority takes? Um, Luther Burden is the one guy I can think of, and um, Texas offered the other kid the other day, and I can't remember his name, but yeah, absolutely, they'd be priority takes. They're five star players. The problem is, I don't think Texas is really in line for either of them at this point, um, so uh, I'm not sure. You know they're going to be there for them, but yeah, if they want it in there, absolutely priority takes. 
yeah, there's so many kids in state in 2022, especially at the wide receiver position that are so solid. Um, I think the staff is going to have a bit of a bit of trouble figuring out who is priority and who would be, you know, uh, ranking who they want uh, as, as far as, a, you know, when it comes to a national board um, with kids from St. Louis. So uh, they're definitely going to have a, a big task on their hands in 2022 trying to figure out who is priority and who is not. I think there's going to be some big time names, you know, even at receiver, but uh, at all positions that, you know, might not be takes uh, at a certain time. And we should mention, terrible news this week came out. Caleb Burton is hurt and will miss the rest of the season. So uh, tough news for the five-star out of Austin. I, I hate to see any kid miss a season, so um, tough for him. Um, okay, Earl Thomas 12 asks, where are where's Texas with LJ Johnson? Uh, does he have the potential of getting a fifth star? Everything kind of holds the same with LJ Johnson. Um, I joked this week that maybe I just need to do like a, a daily buzz thing on where's the buzz with LJ Johnson because – as you guys know, I mean, uh, look, I'll update you if something changes, but nothing's really changed at this point in time. I still think Texas is in a good spot. They're probably fighting off AM at this point, um, but I, I do think they're still in that lead position. As for him getting a fifth star, yeah, I mean, if, if he goes crazy this year, I could see it, um, but I kind of think he may be close to, like, his ranking ceiling. Uh, yeah, I think Texas is in a really good spot with uh, LJ, just as they've been in the last couple of months. I think he's kind of um, slowed down the recruitment process just a little bit to focus on uh, his season at Sci Fair, his senior season. Um, and as far as the potential of him getting a fifth star, A, I'm just going to be honest, he did not have a great game last week. If he plays like that the rest of the season, I'm not sure he gets that fifth star. But if he shows his full potential, I think there's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I didn't see the full numbers. I saw he scored the winning touchdown, but um, went to the film, and it was, the film wasn't very long. So um, I, I don't know what he what he finished with, but it didn't look like he tore it up. I think he had like 11 carries for 45 yards and a TD, something like that. Okay. All right. Um, our next question uh, comes from UT Fan 29. Is Texas trying to get O-line recruits for 2021? Have the odds changed favorably at all for uh, Foster or Bird since your last update on them? Um, I think that they may be done. I mean, obviously, if a guy like Foster or Bird wanted in, they'd take those guys. I don't think anything has changed for them. Um, I think Texas is still down the list for them. I will see Duncanville Friday, so I'll get a better read on Bird. Haven't been able to talk to him in quite a while. He's he's pretty tough to get on the phone and um you know with the pandemic we haven't had any camps or ability to go out to duncanville and see him so um i think that uh nothing's really changed there i i did mention a little earlier in the pod uh jacoby jackson's still on the board but i, I do need to get an update on where o-line numbers are at this point yeah i mean i think i see a, a reasonable uh, possibility that you know the three offensive linemen that are committed right now end up being the the three takes in 2021 um, but obviously, if I think any one or multiple of Jacoby Jackson, Bryce Foster, and Savion Bird uh, decide they want to commit to Texas, they'll definitely have those spots uh, available for them. All right, from Hornsfan7612, with the 2018 class being the secondary dream team, Jalen Green, Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, Deshaun Jameson, Anthony Cook, and DeMarvion Overshone, uh, what were one or two things that stood out about their games to you? Um, Nick, I don't know how uh, familiar you were with this class because you were kind of, I mean, you're kind of a recent comer to recruiting. Um, so if you want, I can just, I can go long form on this and, and tell you what I liked about each other. Yeah, go for it. Um, so Jalen Green was a guy that 
when you first saw him, he looked like he was an inner city Houston kid. And so he kind of played like he was coached like an inner city Houston kid. Although he was at Houston Heights, which was originally Houston Reagan when he first got onto the scene and then they changed their name. And they do have a better coaching staff than most inner city programs. Um, what I really liked about Jalen Green was how dominant he was physically. I, I always tell this story and I'm, I really want to see it this year because I thought he was, he played pretty poor against Texas Tech. But, um, I, we, EJ and I went out to the New Orleans tournament um, for Pylon when uh, in 2018. This this tournament was stacked. I mean the 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 biggest two teams in that tournament were fast, um, which featured Jalen Green, uh, Deshaun Jamison, Leon O'Neal, Jalen Waddle, Tate Barber, Brennan Eagles. Those guys were all on fast together. And then the bootleggers had Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, um, Justin Rogers, um, and Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley was a sophomore. Jeez. That's when I first saw Derek Stingley and was like, oh, my God, that kid's going to be the best player in the country. Um, and Terrace Marshall was a five-star receiver. He's probably LSU's best big play threat now with Jamar Chase out. And Jalen Green erased him from the field. He did not have a catch when he played fast, uh, not in pool play or in the championship. He, he literally just erased him from the field. He's so physical at the line of scrimmage, pressed in, wouldn't let him off the line, and then couldn't get open. So that's what I loved about Jalen Green there. I really want to see Jay Valai and Chris Ash turn that loose in Jalen Green because I know it's in him. With Caden Stearns, I've talked about this many times. When you see a kid with Caden, like Caden Stearns who is that big – um, that instinctive. I mean, he reads the ball better than anybody I've, I've ever seen. And then you meet him and you understand his maturity and the way he approaches his preparation and all those things. I was on the Caden Stearns five-star bandwagon from the moment I met him as a sophomore. And people, if anybody, I told everybody, if anybody says that was a great read, no, it was an easy read. I mean, you, you get all those things in one package. That's what makes Caden Stearns who he is. B.J. Foster, I can remember... I, I would never say that I discovered B.J. Foster. I had a random guy send me his film when he was a sophomore and saw him run downfield on a kick and murder somebody and was just like, oh, my God, who is this? And saw him at, a, at the opening that year, and the, the body, the frame looked good. I really loved with B.J. Um, in high school just his physical nature. He was so downhill fast and so reckless, um, and, and that's what – but, you know, I think that's kind of led to him being banged up a little bit at the college level, um, and, and it's been tough for him. Deshaun Jameson, to me, um, I found watching Anthony Cook's film, was the most pound-for-pound, uh, pound, probably like the best football player in Texas. I, you know, he could he was the best returner on the field. He was a guy who was always in the middle of the play um, and just, you know, great speed, great reaction. It just seemed to always be making a play on the ball. So um, I really love Deshaun Jamison there. Anthony Cook was a lot like Jalen Green. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it was a lot of physicality, a lot of press coverage at the line. Not quite the athlete Jalen Green was. Um, uh, but Anthony Cook was always probably the smartest player and one of the most tenacious players I'd seen on the field. And then DeMarvian Overshone, I can remember not knowing about him until Texas offered and then watching the film. And the film is one of the most brutal pieces of video I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it is just CTE central of Marvin <laughs> running and hitting. It was – I was blown away by it. So, um, you know, I thought he was a really raw guy. I never thought he was going to stick it at safety. But, man, just one of those guys you got to get in the program and figure out um, how, to, how to play them in the right position. 
Um, so is that good, Nick? Yeah. Got good there? Yeah, that's a solid little. Oh, what are your top three? If you had to rank those guys, who are your top three as far as high school? The high school play. When they when they were coming out, I would have ranked them Caden, Jalen Green. I would have ranked them this way. I would have ranked it Caden, Jalen Green, BJ, Overshone. Eh. Overshone was more ranked on, on what he could be than what he was in high school. But it probably would have been Overshone, Jameson Cook. Gotcha. But they they were all – I mean, any of those guys were priorities for everybody in the country. And uh, it's funny. I, I talked to somebody on the Texas staff the other day that said, yeah, we're trying to find uh, more linebackers like DeMarget Overshone. And I said, good luck. <laughs> those guys don't grow on trees. So, um, so yeah, that's it for that. Uh, answer uh, from Orange Base 53 uh, what's your best guess now for the O-line takes in the 2022 class since it appears loaded in the state of Texas? I think we said this last week. I wouldn't call it loaded. There are certainly a couple of guys, some really good players, but um, I wouldn't call it depth-wise loaded. Um, I think Texas gets Devon Campbell, and I think they get Cole Hudson. Um, those are two interior guys. Now, finding tackles, I think they're behind on Cam Dewberry. I think they're – you can call them a little bit behind on, on Kelvin Banks. I would probably call them close to even. Um, they're going to have to find some more guys and identify some more some more offensive linemen this year to, to chase. Yeah, that's another thing. It's still pretty early as far as the 2022 class goes. I mean, there's a lot of deep programs out there, you know, whether it be like 6A powerhouses who uh, maybe had offensive linemen who were sitting behind seniors last year and are now, you know, just getting that first taste of action um, now this year. So uh, we, we might have more, more of an idea how deep this 2022 class here in, in like five or six weeks, you know, once we see some names kind of emerge. Um, but as far as the best guess, uh, if you're asking for how many offensive line takes, I, I could see it being, you know, four to six, just based on, you know, how many of those top priority guys they land. All right. From Den 12, uh, for the 2022 class, who's Texas most likely to land in the immediate future between Burton, Stewart, Winfield, or Coleman? I know Stewart is high on Texas. I don't think any of those guys come in the immediate future, but I guess that would determine what you think is immediate. Um, I... I think a lot of those guys will play out. If I had to pick the first one to drop out of that group, I would probably say Winfield. Yeah, um, I'm sitting here thinking about this. Yeah, I would have to agree. Uh, probably Winfield. Um, I think Stewart possibly could pop, you know, in the next eight to eight to ten months. But, you know, that's, that's just kind of so hard to gauge the 2022 guys right now just because 2021 has been such a mess, and I think 2022 kids are definitely going to wait to see, you know, when they can visit. So, um, they don't. They don't. They have the luxury of waiting that the twenty twenty one class doesn't have. Yeah. All right. Our next question uh, comes from Hookem two thirty. Says Mike, you're Tom Herman. Who are the top ten on your board for twenty twenty two? That's a good question. I think I would probably say let's just start offensively. Um, and I, I don't know that I'm going to rank them for you, but these are the ten guys I think. You've already. The good news is number one on the board. Consensus number one, who would have been number one on any board, is already in the class. Quinn Ewers, um, and I think that you can make uh, you know an argument that Jalen Gilbo would have probably fit in there as well. Um, Jaden Blue is up there. I mean, Jaden Blue for me is among the running backs. He's the guy. Um, Caleb Burton and Evan Stewart would be the guys at receiver. Donovan Green, Devon Campbell. Calvin Banks. That would be the guys offensively. Defensively, Malik Silla up front. Um, 
Harold Perkins, absolutely, at linebacker. And then at defensive back, um, Denver Harris, Damani Jackson, uh, Chase Biddle. That would probably be somewhere in that group. Yeah, I like all those names. I think number one on the board would probably be Devon Campbell for me personally right now. Um, that's just a kid that really likes Texas early on, and I think you know that should be highest priority. Uh, Caleb Burton, there's still uh, quite a bit of work to do in that recruitment, but I think Texas definitely has a shot. Um, so he's got to be up there high on the board. Um, and you mentioned Jadon Blue, but I also really like this new offer that we got this week, Jamarian Miller out of Tyler Legacy, uh, formerly known as uh, Tyler Lee. Um, Jamarian had a huge week one uh, performance. He had over 340 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, it's a really good find by uh, Stan Drayton. He's the brother of a um, former Texas signee, Damian Miller. So there's already some connections there. Jamarian grew up watching Texas. So I think that's a kid that they could definitely uh, zone in on pretty early. And if they somehow miss out on Jadon Blue, then they have a pretty good, um, you know, pretty good plan B option there. From HornsFan7612, who's the nicest recruit you've ever met on the job? Uh, there are a few that come to mind. Jadarian Price, who I just saw last week, is up there. Ernest Cooper at, at Arlington Martin is is awesome. Um, EJ and Doma Ogar, who ended up signing with, with Oklahoma, is literally, he calls me Mr. Roach still to this day, and I keep having to remind him, EJ, I'm, I'm not a mister, just call me Mike. Um, <laughs> he actually launched a clothing line and called me out of the blue and said, I need your address, I'm going to send you some stuff from this clothing line I launched. Um, love that kid. Um, and I would also say Tope Amade, who was really the first guy I ever really clicked with, he and I. Um, I mean, Tope was just a, a giant teddy bear. Nicest recruit. Um, Jalen Milrow is just a great kid. I love I love chopping it up with Jalen. Um, Ishmael Ibrahim, that's another pretty good one. Uh, I know I'm staying 2021. Um, man, trying to think of a couple of others. There's honestly a lot of pretty good ones. Uh, they can all kind of just run together. Um, Terrence Cooks is another pretty good kid. Um, Rich Cooks is awesome. And yeah, you rarely awesome. you rarely meet kids that are just, you know, difficult to work with. I think there's definitely more great oh, ones Nick. than oh, difficult ones. <laughs> I, I, I worded not, that bad. I worded that bad. There's more great ones than difficult ones. That's what I've really meant to say. <laughs> you have not been in the business long enough to make that call. Because um, I, could, I could equally run off a list of awful. Don't ever want to talk to them again. Hope, <laughs> I have a couple. Hope, I have a couple. Hope the worst things in life happen to these people. Um from Longhorn Fan eight one five, who would you have ranked higher, Evan Stewart or Garrett Wilson? Um, I've often compared Evan Stewart to Garrett Wilson. I think Evan Stewart's a better athlete than Garrett Wilson, but Garrett had a sense of ball body control um, when going up for the ball. Uh, a lot from his basketball background that I think was just different. I think he also had a lot more just kind of natural receiving ability. Um, so I, I think I'd have Garrett slightly over Evan Stewart, but I mean Evan could definitely close that gap in the next two years. No disrespect meant towards Evan Stewart whatsoever. He's a quality wide receiver, definitely a deserving of that five-star. But I think the only thing he's better at Garrett Wilson is is, uh, is TikTok. He's got like 2 million followers on TikTok. So I'll, I'll take Evan Stewart in that battle, but not not as a wide receiver. I mean, he's also fat, much faster. Um, that is true. He probably jumps as well as Garrett. Like he does everything athletically as well as Garrett, but Garrett had just a different type of game. It's just it's hard to explain. He's it's just built different. different. He is yeah. the definition of built different. Um, from HD Forever, if Texas has a tremendous year this season, can we assume that offensive line recruiting will change for the better? I would tell you, assume nothing. That's dangerous. Um, I, I would say it should, but it's going to be on the recruiter, so we'll, we'll see. 
Yeah, um, I, I think it's just a year-by-year basis. I think I, I said it last week. I think Texas um, had a lot of unlucky breaks in the 2021 class when it came to offensive line recruiting. Um, maybe there were definitely a couple. There were definitely a couple things that I think the staff could have done better, but it was mainly just a lot of unlucky situations that broke. Um, so I, I think 2022 they can definitely rebound, and if uh, especially if they can land Devon Campbell pretty early, that's a pretty good you know first offensive lineman to have off the bat. He can help bring in some other guys. Um, so I, I think the 2022 offensive line uh, class really revolves around him and when he decides to commit, and uh, you know how how much of a recruiter he could be if he ends up recruiting to Texas or if he ends up committing to Texas. All right, and our last question. Charles Daniels hit us up a day after we recorded last week. Let's go. So I've saved this question. Uh, He said, hey, Mike, hypothetical, COVID comes to uh, to an end tomorrow. Everything goes back to normal, immediately full stands for games um, and official visits back on. What would the first official visit weekend be look like who would texas invite who would show up and how would it change 21 or 22 class i think the first official visit weekend would be tough because everybody would be angling to get those kids in and so it would kind of pull them apart what i think is the first official visit weekend where you could get the majority of the kids you want on campus um i think you're if you're texas you have to fire all the guns for guys like bryce foster and um Savion Bird and even Tamisha Adelier, who I, I talked about last week, has actually been hearing from Texas a little more. Um, and you've got to try to get some of those highly ranked guys back on campus. And you've also got to take shots at some of those guys who you really wanted but committed uh, elsewhere um, now that they can take visits. Um, I think that uh, more so the unofficials getting those 22 kids on campus and getting uh, them together and start building those consensus, that would be um, really the biggest part. Nick, you get to start a podcast with one Texas high school football player. The podcast would be about current cultural events. Who do you choose? Oh, boy. Hmm. This is an interesting one. Every time I get a question about, you know, who's the who's most in line with the culture, at least, and, you know, who's the most uh, uh, kid kid out there, I guess I would say. I always say Landon King. Uh, he's always he's always in the know when it comes to you know what's going on. So I'd probably have to go Landon King. He's also uh, he's also got a great personality. So I think that'd be a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, if you think back to when we had Landon on the show and the two weeks that he was a Texas commit, um, <laughs> he is an awesome interview. Like I he love is. doing that interview. That's that's the part. And I told him this way he decommitted. I said, I'm happy for you. I want you to go wherever you want to go. But I'm kind of pissed because I really enjoyed talking to you. And I would love to have you back on our podcast and stuff. And he, he told me, whenever you need me, baby, just just hit me up. So um, I'm really bummed. Actually, like I wanted to go see a Tascacita because it's it helps me see a Tascacita without going to Houston. But I'm really bummed because I wanted to go see Landon King play uh, against Allen. And uh, that's that's – Really kind of why the, the guy at, at Allen got a, sn- a snide remark back. So. <laughs> the King is going to have a big game this week. I'm predicting it. All right, there we go. Um, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Uh, as always, thank you guys for your engagement. Thanks for getting to us and uh, being part of the show. All right, Nick, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add in? Uh, nothing much. Just ready to get out to these games this week, and it's been so nice. I think it's been really different from years past, being like the first couple of weeks of big school ball, because I'm used to going to like a week one or a week two game and just sweating my butt off. But it's been fantastic. It was great last Friday night, and it looks like it's going to be great tonight. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I just love this weather. I, I like the four-week setback. 
Yeah, you can finally wear sweatpants and stuff and not be mocked. Exactly. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know, I think we've mentioned on the show before, Nick loves to wear sweatpants and sweatshirts in the summer in Texas, and I don't get it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be back to these two games a week, man. Like, it's been, it's felt like a sense of normalcy. Even being at AT&T last week was like, it was kind of weird. Like, there were... There were like 14 of us in the press box and we all kind of sat in the same area, but far enough apart where you could take off your mask and, um, and, you know, be safe and everything. And so it was just good to finally be in a place where you could take your mask off and, uh, relax and, and watch football and, and just joke around. And I sat in between Nick, you'll be jealous. I sat in between, um, Craven, Mike Craven and, uh, Hayden. Um, oh boy. I bet you had a night. With with step in front of me in the row in front of me, so <laughs> it, we had, had a we had a pretty fun night. Yeah, um, you know we joked around. Especially I was killing Hayden because I wasn't really involved in the in the Temple Longview game. I was just kind of watching. It. I wasn't really covering it. So you know, it's been a long time since Longview got their teeth kicked in like that. And I was like, Hayden, when are you going to call? When are you going to talk to King after this game? And <laughs> what do you think he's going to say? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we had a good time, man, and it's it's been a sense of normalcy. Uh, this weekend, I am smoking my first brisket, and um, like planning it out, I think I'm literally going to get home from my game Friday night and put that thing on the smoker and, and go through the night so I can be ready to serve it the next day. So, you uh, you um, and our good friend Daniel Seahorn, y'all are leading the the smoker the smoker crew. Daniel has been my barbecue sensei since the time I bought a smoker about two months ago. And so he he's like my on-call guy for barbecue. I just – I call him and I'm like, what do I do with this? And, and he'll give me a tip or so. So um, it's my first brisket. I'm, I'm hoping it comes out good. So, uh, yeah, should be a big weekend. Um, all right. Well, we want to thank you guys for, for listening. I um, want to thank you guys for joining in on the show. This was a really fun show. Um, we will uh, we'll see you guys, of course, next week. For Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach, and we'll talk to you next week.